The Reds have secured another series win. Spencer Steer is making noise for Rookie of the Year consideration. And Ellie De La Cruz, well, he's doing Ellie De La Cruz things. We'll discuss all that and a whole lot more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, Every day. You are locked on Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team into information for you. We are having fun. I hope you're having fun, too. And we thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us talk about these fun Reds with you. We encourage you, if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter or check us out on YouTube and drop a thought in our comment section. Talk Talking Reds is what we do, and we want to talk Reds with you because Lockdown Reds is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day, and if you listen every day, thank you so much for doing so. Let us know down in the comments section or hit us up on Twitter and let us know that you're an everydayer for Lockdown Reds. And if you're an everydayer, I'm sure you're excited because the Cincinnati Reds have won their first series at Fenway Ballpark since the greatest World Series of all time. Back in 1975. And we are going to talk about the key players for that because the first dude was Spencer Steer. And I think he's making a case for some sort of trophy to put in his own case. Also, Ellie De La Cruz is just doing some things. And we got to let you know about it because dude is, I mean, there's really nothing more for him to prove in AAA. And we're going to tell you just how much he has proven already. Before we get into all of that, though, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use Locked On MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And Steve, I told you in spring training that Spencer Steer was worthy of a futures bet for NL Rookie of the Year, and his go-ahead two-run home run on Wednesday over the Green Monster just underscored his campaign for said award. You know, it's funny because I kind of lost my place where we were because of that little technical hiccup we had a few minutes ago. And I was about to cut in and talk about, you told me about Spencer Steer. You (laughs) told me he had a shot to be rookie of the year. And then you did that whole ridiculous rhyming thing day after day after day. The year of Steer is here. Turns out you were right. Spencer Steer is putting on a show right now. Uh, You know, while he's not leading any of the statistical categories, Jeff, uh, he's not number one in any of them. He's a solid two, three in everything that matters. And that definitely puts him in the spot of being considered for the Rookie of the Year award. Now, there's still a lot of baseball left to play. He has time to play himself into that award or play himself out of that award. But there's a lot of interesting numbers surrounding his potential to be Rookie of the Year, and I think everybody is really sleeping on him. I don't think he's getting the credit he deserves as far as being in consideration to win Rookie of the Year. 
There is no better example of sleeping on Spencer Steers in a rookie of the year candidacy than what FanDuel is doing. FanDuel actually has his odds at 28 to 1 still to win the NL Rookie of the Year. And yes, I know, coming into this season, the favorite to win NL Rookie of the Year was former top overall prospect Corbin Carroll for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Corbin Carroll has lived up to that hype. He is absolutely phenomenal. He's pretty much number one in most of these stat categories. But Spencer Steers right behind him. In fact, one of the things he leads in and one of the things that they take into consideration for this award is that he is number one in plate appearances amongst all rookies, let alone National League rookies. But he's number one in plate appearances for rookies. And then when you kind of, you know, spread this out a little bit, and when you look at rookies who have at least 100 plate appearances, he is second in on-base percentage behind Corbin Carroll. He's second in batting average behind Corbin Carroll. He's third in slugging. He's second in RBIs, actually behind James Outman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's third in OPS plus, tied for second in home runs. What I'm saying with all of those numbers is dude is right there. The definition of sleeping on someone is not understanding that they're right behind you. And I think that they're sleeping on Spencer Steer taking over this race. I, I think so too. Uh, and he only looks like he's getting more and more comfortable. And let's remember that there was a little period of time in there where he hurt his knee and that had some effect on his production. And I think that the numbers we've got from him right now would be even better had he not been injured. And if he remains healthy, I really think he's going to make this a two horse race where it's really going to come down. Jeff, I think the real difference maker here is how his defensive abilities are viewed by the voters. And I think that is incredibly unfair because all this Spencer Steer has done since getting to the big leagues is do exactly what the Reds have asked him to do and play all over the place. He's playing a position that he's never played before and he's learning to do it at the major league level. And listen, if you've never played first base at any level, and I'm talking from high school all the way through the major leagues, it is hard. It is a whole lot more than just standing over there and catching the ball. And if you've ever played that position, you know how important the footwork is and how important it is to be able to read the ball off of the bat and how important it is to be able to effectively hold runners. And the list goes on and on and on. And Spencer Steers learning how to do all of that at the big league level. Now he has demonstrated that he's an athlete and he can play all over the field. He said he likes to play anywhere. He doesn't care. He just wants to play. So a lot of credit to him. And it's unfortunate because I think learning that new position on the fly could ultimately hurt him when it's time to cast votes for this award. Yeah. And one of the big things too, like, I think there's two parts to this, the defensive position that he's played the most of so far is first base. And I don't necessarily know that when you stack up a first baseman to an outfielder, that they're going to get votes for Spencer steer because Corbin Carroll plays the more flashy position. But then you also look at the metrics. The metrics are not kind to Spencer steer right now. In fact, his outs above average so far this season are nine are minus seven. Minus five at first base, minus two at third base. And the part of that for me is that he is in the one percentile, meaning he could not be any lower in the rankings for outs above average. And then isn't, isn't that your defensive rating at 
<laughs> yeah, I think he's he's slightly above. He's still above where I am. That's for sure. I think I'm I'm point five percentile or something like that. Uh, maybe point one. I'm who am I kidding? I'm giving myself too much credit. Uh, but back to this, uh, the metrics, the, the defensive wins above replacement calculation that Fangraphs does of him has him at negative five point seven. So there's a lot of folks that take down defensive stats and figure out some different metrics for the fielding side of baseball that look at Spencer Steer and say he is deficient in the field. Yeah. And I think though his offensive numbers have the potential to overcome that. I, I, I really think this could be a two horse race by the end because Spencer Steer is going to continue to play every day. He's going to be in the heart of this Reds lineup. Jonathan India is going to be getting on base in front of him. Matt McClain is going to be getting on base in front of him. He's going to have opportunities to drive guys in. And now that the power is showing up and he's growing his home run total, uh, you're right. He doesn't play as flashy a position. But if he can be competent defensively, at all of the infield positions that he's asked to play. And and we'll get into this later because there is a, a reckoning coming where guys are going to have to start moving around. They're not going to be able to cement in on one defensive position on the right. infield. So that's coming. So if he can play all of the infield positions competently and match the competition statistically in the offensive categories, he has a real legitimate shot to be in this conversation at the end of the season as a potential winner of Rookie of the Year. So what we're saying is go to FanDuel, throw a couple bucks on that 28 to one for Spencer Steer to win rookie of the year, because he has absolutely thrown his name into the hat for the NL rookie of the year campaign with that go ahead to run bomb over the monster on Wednesday night. You're absolutely right. Spencer Steer hit a bomb, gave the Reds the opportunity to secure another series victory. Uh, but there's plenty more things that had to come together in that game for the Reds to win it. And coming up, we'll break down the most important aspects of the Reds' performance from Wednesday night. But before we get to that, let's talk about the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You can snag tickets without any stress at all with the Game Time app. This is what I use when I've been traveling. I used it in San Diego when I was out there for the Red Series. I'll be in town this week, and that is how I'm getting my Reds tickets for the Brewers and the Dodgers series. I, I love this app. You just go to the App Store, go to the Google Play Store, download the Game Time app, create an account, and then use the promo code Locked On MLB, and you're going to get twenty dollars off your first purchase. That's right. So on top of great savings that are already built into this app, you're going to get twenty dollars more off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply. So again, just head over to the app, download it, create an account, and redeem the code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Uh, super easy. I use it pulling into the stadium. Uh, when I was in San Diego, I was walking around the ballpark, seeing the sights. Thought, well, it's getting a little close to game time for the game to start. So I jumped on the game time app, found a great deal. The section I was sitting in, I got for over half off what everybody else paid to be sitting there. So download the game time app today, get last minute tickets with the lowest prices guaranteed. The Reds go for a sweep at Fenway against the Red Sox. The first pitch gets it's going at 7, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Hunter Green will tow the rubber against Chris Sale. That is right. What a pitching matchup that is going to be. You can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with the SiriusXM app. That's the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. 
Thanks for always making Locked on Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up on our next show. The Reds have a massive opportunity in front of them with a weird four-game series getting underway with the current division-leading Milwaukee Brewers. That could change, and it will change, I think, when the Reds play the Brewers. Uh, but before we get into all that, let's talk about yesterday's game, Jeff, yeah. because the Reds nailed down yet another series victory. They did it for the consecutive second consecutive series on the road for a team that has not played well on the road. Uh, and they look like they're really heating up. I, I think the, they're catching the Brewers coming home at just the right time. And what we saw on the field last night in Boston is really encouraging. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Reds handle the Brewers this weekend because the Brewers have struggled to score runs and the Reds haven't. And it's going to be, I mean, Corbin Burns is going to be on the mound. It's its going to be a lot of fun to watch. But in this game, the way that the Reds were able to win this series, it was just a complete performance. You got just enough pitching, you got just enough hitting, and you had plenty of fielding and good base running to get you that dub. And, I mean, we look at the pitching. They had just enough from Luke Weaver. Five and two-thirds innings, three earned runs. Would have liked to have seen him maybe get a shot, but he was at 97 pitches whenever they took him out, so I wasn't that mad about when David Bell took him out. Gave up seven hits, had five strikeouts, and as we love to say, no walks. Very nice performance. Luke Weaver has really put together, and, and he's not a guy who his stats are just going to wow you. But he has been solid, and he has kept the Reds in every single game that he has pitched. Well, you know, the Reds rotation is a little wonky right now, but let's call him what he really is. He's the Reds' number four starter, regardless of where he falls in between the other guys because of the injuries and the way they tried to balance this rotation. He's a number four guy. And if your number four guy can go out and give you five and two-thirds, six innings pitched, only allow two or three runs, and not walk anybody, That's I'll perfect. take that every time he goes out on the mound. That is perfect from the number four spot. If you can get similar production from the number five spot, well, now you're cooking considering the guys we have at the top part of the rotation. So I, I'm really happy with how Luke Weaver has settled in. Now, you know, I acknowledge, you know, both Jeff and you and me, we we criticized him going into this rotation. We didn't Easily, we yeah. didn't think he was going to be anything spectacular. And he's, I mean, he's not going to, he's not, listen, he's not showing up on the all-star team. But <laughs> if you take into consideration all things being equal, what he's doing is exactly what the Reds need for him to do. And, and I'm happy. Hey, and that's a good reminder. Definitely check out the all-star ballot each and every day. You can vote five times. Uh, I think if you have more than one email address or if you can mask your IP address, you could probably vote more, but vote reds five times a day. Um, but the, the bullpen in this game really put together a very strange performance. Ian Jabot pitched, you know, what the box score will tell you is a perfect inning. He came in with a runner on second base in the sixth inning, was able to get out of that jam and then got two outs in the seventh. And then David Bell was playing the percentages. He had Alex Verdugo and uh, Rafael Devers coming up, two lefties back-to-back. -back, and he's like, all right, let's throw Alex Young in here. He's going to get one of those guys out. We're going to get out of this inning unscathed. Well, he gives up a bloop to Verdugo, and he walks Devers, which I never have a problem. That, that's the one thing when, I'm, when I looked at this series, and, and we didn't get the chance to preview this series together, but when I previewed it, uh, the other day, I said, you know what? If you walk Rafael Devers, I'm fine with that because Rafael Devers can hit the ball a country mile. And he, you know, as much as it sucks that Alex Young didn't get either lefty out, 
he was still able to keep the scoreboard clean because it got Justin Turner out as he rolled over on a ground ball. So that was a little bit of a bummer. He really labored for that one out there to end the seventh inning. And then Lucas Sims pitches one of the most stressful eighth innings that I've seen only to be followed up by Buck Farmer's stressful, perfect. Can you have a stressful, perfect inning? Because Buck Farmer did on, uh, on the ninth end. You know, the theme for all of these performances today, Jeff, is that everybody gutted it out. And yeah. that's something a little different. That's something we didn't see a whole lot of last year. That's something right. we didn't see a whole lot when it, we needed to see it. And these guys are pitching a little bit different. We've been saying this team is different. And that's one area, one example of how they are different. Uh, when things go sideways, years past, even as, as close as last year, Jeff, and I know you're the same way I am on this, things would go bad and you here we go again. Yep. It's here, another meltdown, another blown game, another problem. It's a little different now when, when the Reds are trailing by a few runs or when a pitcher's having a rough outing. I'm not quite ready to just throw in the towel on this team because they have time and time again surprised me. So I was happy to see all these guys power through. You know, you talk about Alex Young and Devers, and I was going to say before you you explained that you talked about this, you know, if if he walks him – I'm, I don't have a problem with that if he gives him nothing to hit. For all of the reasons you said, he can hit the ball a very long way. So I was okay with that. You're right. He worked really hard, Alex Young did, for his one out. Lucas Sims, let's talk about him for just a minute. Mm -hmm. Are are you getting concerned yet? I'm starting. This, this is his fourth, maybe fifth in a row. I'd have to go look it up. But not very sharp outing and they haven't been horrible but there's been a few where he's walked several guys he's given up some hard contact a couple extra base hits things just look not quite right and I, I i don't know if it's him still adjusting to the new tempo and not being able to pitch max effort i don't know if it's uh just a rough patch but are you worried about it i don't know that i'm worried about him but i do i will say this i think um I think my concern level with Lucas Sims right now is a raised eyebrow for Spock. You know, like I can't do that as well as he can. But when it comes to Lucas Sims performances, especially on Wednesday night, when you saw how he pitched, a lot of those pitches were belt high. A lot of those pitches were in the perfect spot for a hitter to just crush them. And he gave up two extra base hits in this game. That's how he gave up the one run that he did. And, and yes, he was able to gut out that strikeout and get the amazing, you know, up and in fastball. Um, I think it was Emmanuel Valdez that he struck out, but at the same time, there was a lot of pitches that I was just like, dude, that is not the spot that I want to see that. However, I then can, you know, look on the other side of this and I say, he got the fastball when he needed it and his slider. I don't know if you saw the way that thing was breaking, like, I know that the whole trend now is calling big sliders sweepers. This thing looked like a snap sweeper. Like it, it, there was some sort of weird wiffle ball movement to this thing because strike one to Valdez was a looking strike. It was a slider that broke out over the plate and it was belt high. Like if he'd have seen it, he probably would have crushed it, but the thing started in the right hand batter's box. It was phenomenal the way that thing broke. So I still see the stuff. It's just where he's leaving it in the zone right now is kind of concerning. Because I, I really want to be able to count on him. I will. Yes. I really want for David Bell and the Reds to be able to use him in the seventh and eighth inning to set things up for Alexis Diaz and and know he's going to go out there with some of his electric stuff. Because when he's on, 
he is very difficult to hit, and he is a great pitcher to have available to you in a seventh or eighth inning when you need to shut things down. But I'm just not quite sure that right now, from what I've seen the last three, four outings, that I feel as confident running him out there in a high leverage situation. Uh, I'm mostly okay with Buck Farmer, although we're going to get to that in just a second. And I'm definitely okay with Alexis Diaz, but I still have some pause. And I hope that given a few more opportunities to pitch that Lucas Sims will show us the ship is right and everything's okay and that we can count on him. Uh, but speaking of Buck Farmer, uh, did you feel all of the air suck out of your room on that final out to center field? Because <laughs> you, uh, you had an interesting statistic in show prep regarding that hit yeah. that, yep, makes sense. Fun, fun fact uh, for those of you looking at StatCast, according to StatCast, that flyout that you'll see on the score sheet was an F8 was the third hardest hit ball of the game. And it was the longest distance for any ball put in play for the game. So literally Rafael Devers bends that a little bit, puts it to right field or puts it to left field. We got a tie ball game. We're going to extra innings. It just happened to be in the deepest part of the ballpark for Fenway and, and Nixon Zell was underneath of it. So it's one of those things where it was like, okay, Buck Farmer's surviving. He's getting through here. He gets to face the number nine hitter. Then he has to face Verdugo, who's got a really high on base percentage. Okay, he gets him out. That's good. Now we got Devers, and we're only up by one. And Devers is a dude who can hit the ball a mile. And he was able to limit it. And, and that's all you want from Buck Farmer. Like, I don't need him to be Alexis Diaz and strike out the side. I just need him to keep the scoreboard clean. He was able to do that. I just didn't have any sweat left in my body at that point. <laughs> well, listen, it wasn't just the pitching that got it done, Jeff. We've already talked about Spencer Steer, but there's some other guys that delivered some performances, you know, two hit days for Kevin Newman, Matt McClain, and Nick Senzel. And I feel like we're saying those names a lot here lately, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, and I think, and, and even Kevin Newman, as much as we really want, and we'll get into this in the next segment, really want there to be a change. Uh, Kevin Newman is making the most of his playing time right now. Yeah. I low key looked at this lineup before the game. And I was like, Ugh. Here we go again. David Bell's overthinking it. I know he hits lefties. I You don't have to tell me Kevin Newman hits lefties. But leadoff? We really got to put him in the leadoff spot? Two-hit day? What do I know? Also gets hit by a pitch, and he gets on base that way. Plays amazing defense in the ninth inning with that beautiful sliding grab. Pops up and throws it first like it was nothing. So, I mean, I mean a great night for him. Matt McClain, just, my goodness, what can't he do at this point? Like, he is on fire like the the human torch right now but these guys keyed it at the top of the lineup both of them getting two hit nights then you go down the lineup a little bit nixon zell again two hits got an rbi just enough hitting in fact now steve so it's five runs scored i looked this up the reds have scored five runs in 26 games this year they're 21 and five when they scored at least five runs it's 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 a magic number when they get there good things happen well you know i think the five run if you continue to get the starting pitching that we've talked about from the fourth and the fifth spot in the rotation if they can hold opposing teams to three or four runs that gives your bullpen a chance so that five run number it makes sense to me why that's kind of the magic number but i want to circle back to matt mcclain for just a second because we talked about his two fit two hits but let's talk about two of his defensive plays in this game <laughs> He turned a double play at one point in this game where he timed the throw perfectly so that 
and his forward motion is right when his toe caught the bag at second base, and then he delivers a strike to first base to turn the double play. And then later in the game, he fields a ground ball moving to his left, looks for a second like he's going to have a foot race with the runner coming into second base, and then is like, eh, no, not really, and whips it again with a perfect throw to first base to get the runner and record the out. And we, we've been focused in on his hitting and how good he looks at the plate and how he looks like he belongs and he doesn't look like a rookie. That holds true for in the field as well. He is playing some mean defense right now. He literally is as good in the field as at the batter's box. Like there's no drop off. We're not talking about like, Oh boy, here's, here's the fielding. And we'll see if we can get by with this. Like this is the best fielding I've seen at shortstop in a long time. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I even want to go there and say this is the best fielding that we've seen at shortstop since Barry Larkin was manning the shortstop position. Like Matt McClain looks like he's been doing it for years and years and years, and we're on week three. Like this is going to be very interesting as we move forward because I don't know how you justify moving him out of that defensive spot, even as good as Ellie De La Cruz is in that spot. Well, speaking of Ellie De La Cruz, Jeff, I think uh, we're going to spend some time talking about him coming up. But look, for this game out at Fenway Park in Boston, uh, the hitters did enough to put it together for a win. The pitchers did enough, and it was really a total, complete team effort to get another series win on the road and win one out in Boston. Yeah, we mentioned Ellie. He continues to make the case to get that call up to Cincinnati, and we'll tell you what he's been up to coming up next. Before we do that, though, I want to let you know the Reds and Red Sox get going tonight at 7, 10 p.m. Eastern time. The Reds are trying to sweep the Red Sox for the first time ever. Steve, I saw this stat, and we talked about this pre-game or pre-podcast. 25 matchups coming into 26. I'm sorry, 26. So they, the website I looked at didn't include Wednesday night's game. 26 total matchups between the Reds and the Red Sox. Red Sox are 17 and nine in those matchups. So let's see if we can get that to 10 tonight. And you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. Also, you can follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, including right here on YouTube. If you're watching, thank you so much. Make sure that you're subscribed and you can click that bell to get notified. You can also follow us in between episodes on Twitter at S Offenbaker with two F's at Jeff Carr with three F's and at locked on reds. Also check out the uh, description, the notes in the description. I've got a link to the discord channel, uh, which I've called uh, reds therapy, uh, conversations you know we have some fun though some fun talking reds baseball in there at all times of the day so make sure you check it out uh speaking of checking it out ellie de la cruz hey i mean he's been doing lots of things here recently hitting the ball as far as a human could possibly hit it as hard as a human could possibly hit it he is throwing the ball as hard as a, pro- a person could possibly throw he's running as fast as a pro- i mean he's doing everything but the stats just are amazing with him He's he's doing it all. You're absolutely right. Let's just let's start with his let's talk about his statistics line right now. Slash line of 304, 401, 659. He has 11 home runs and 33 RBIs. <laughs> uh, that that's enough for me right there. Call him up. That's it. That's the thing. Segment over. But 
if you want to expand upon that a little bit, I want to talk about for a second his baseball smarts. There's not a statistic for this. There is not a way to account for it and look at it and compare it to other players. But watch him play. Watch the stuff he does, not only in the field, but running the bases and how he takes advantage of every single thing the opposing team does. You want to take a, a lazy moment to throw a ball back into the infield? That's going to cost you a base. You want to not pay attention to him when he's a runner on first? That's going to cost you a base. He is able to go first to third. He's able to go first to home on hits that it just shouldn't be able to be done. He's so exciting. He's absolutely electric, and I cannot wait to see him in the big leagues. The thing that really gets me, and you talk about his baseball smarts, he is a guy that every time someone says, well, I don't, I mean, you see him do this, but he's really got to figure out this part of the game. He's not ready just yet until he figures it out. The big thing coming into this season for LA De La Cruz was he strikes out a lot and okay. He's got a three thirty batting average, but he strikes out 30% of the time. He has the lowest strikeout percentage of his minor league career right now. And he parlays that with the highest walk rate of his career, almost doubling his next highest walk rate, literally tell him he can't do it. And he's going to go out and do it. Like he just knows how to mold his game properly to say, all right, I need this. All right. We're, we're bringing this in. All right. I need this. All right. Got it. Let's go. What more do you want? There's literally nothing more for him to prove at this point. I absolutely agree. And and let's talk about the hardest part of this conversation is when he comes up, where is he going to play? Yeah. Uh, he, defensively, he's appeared in 24 games, uh, according to baseball reference. In those 24 games uh, in the field, I'm sorry, that's not the correct number. He's played 24 games at shortstop, nine games at third base. That's according to baseball reference. Get stuck right in now. the notes, it happens. Experiences. Uh, you know, gotta, I got to read the whole sentence is, is what it is. Uh, in those games, three errors at shortstops in 24 games, one error at third base in nine. He can play either one of those spots. He's comfortable at either one of those spots. It's not going to be a problem to get Ellie De La Cruz into the lineup in Cincinnati. Does it mean other guys are going to have to be wiggled and moved? Yes. Is that okay? Yes. Uh, I don't care how it has to happen. Ellie De La Cruz needs to come to Cincinnati. He needs to be in the starting lineup, and he needs to play every day. And that needs to happen on Friday, Jeff, when you and I – are there. Yeah. When you, me and Zach Brown, um, I, I really think that there's a lot of folks that see him as a third baseman long-term. So I wonder if that's not something that they, they try here. And it's, it's going to be strange because we're talking about, you know, Matt McLean is fielding amazingly at shortstop. So does Ellie De La Cruz. And then you've got Noel V Marte who they've already kind of looked at and said, okay, we're going to move him to third base. And so it's like, all right, but the easiest part about that is, well, Hey, you can move him somewhere else when he gets to triple a. So I think at this point, and especially you talk about just otherworldly arm strength, who can throw a ball at a hundred miles an hour across the diamond, that's perfect for third base. Like field that grounder that he has to range over into foul territory to pick up and just whip it over to first base. He's going to do that with no problem whatsoever. So I think that he would work very well at third base. And of course, um, he's going to hit well enough to play in any position on the diamond. So that's not a problem either. I, I bring him up now. It's time. Let's do it. I don't know what you got to do. I don't know if you got to put TJ Friedel on the IL, although they said that he was available off the bench on Wednesday night. He did not play, but there's hamstring concerns there. 
maybe that's the short-term move. Maybe you, it'd be hard to send down Kevin Newman. I'm going to finally acknowledge it. It'd be hard to send down Kevin Newman right now because he's playing amazingly. But maybe you make another move somehow. Just get you, him up here. Do it now. You can send down Will Benson today. Yeah, yeah. Send him down. Bring up Ellie De La Cruz. That means that Nick Senzel becomes a primary outfielder again, and that's fine. I am okay with that. But yeah. make the move. He is ready, Jeff. It is time. Call him up. And, and that's that probably where we should wrap it up for today. Before we get out of here, don't forget that you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds to listen to the game. Wrap us up, Jeff. And on that in sync bombshell, it's time to end. Thanks for everybody for checking out today's Locked On Reds podcast. Whether you listen, whether you watch, uh, always make sure that you make us your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. The Reds have a massive opportunity in a weird Friday to Monday four game series against the Brewers, and they got to take advantage of it if they want to contend. We're going to tell you how they can do that, but. That's going to do it for us here today as we move into this weekend series. And as we hopefully see a red sweep, dare I say, and maybe the biggest news of the season with a massive call up on Friday, because I want to speak that into existence. What can people expect from you and me, Steve? Well, you and I are going to be locked on to the transactions. We're going to be locked on to the rumors. We're going to be locked on every move that's made, not only in Boston, but in Louisville as well. We're going to bring all that information back right here to keep everyone locked on Reds every single day.